The Secrets of Technology is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Technology. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Technology, where we discuss the technology news that's important to you from a uniquely Catholic point of view. And joining me today on the panel are Pat Scott. Hi, Pat. Hello there. And Jack Barazzini. Hi, Jack. Hey, Dom. It is St. Patrick's Day as we record this, and I'm sh- I hope you are both uh, full of corned beef and mashed potatoes and cabbage. Uh <laughs> I know I am, <laughs> but uh, uh, I don't tend to to do the tricks with a with a holiday. But uh, okay. I, I do enjoy being wished a happy Saints Day. That, oh, yes. that I like. That is good. That's good. good. Yes, uh, I will refrain from doing this entire episode with an Irish accent. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Having heard it. <laughs> oh, ouch. Whoa, that's that one stung a bit. All right, let's move on <laughs> to uh, talk about some feedback. We got some great feedback from a listener uh, on our recent episode, episode 103, where we talked about the Oculus Quest virtual reality headsets, our hints, our tips, our picks. And uh, Carla Kavanaugh wrote on Facebook, she said, I got my Oculus Quest 2 about two weeks before this episode. I'm loving it, and I love the podcast. Can you revisit this again in 6 to 12 months to talk about your latest favorite apps and experiences? Uh, And I will pause here to say, of course, that's a great idea. I think we should. I think three months from now would be better. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. Uh, I know, Pat, you're very enthusiastic about it. So it probably, uh, uh, Father, I want to see if we get other uh, folks in the the podcast group here, if they're going to be joining in with that. But uh, because that goes to the next thing, which is uh, she suggests we should do an SQPN event in VR. And I love the idea of of a virtual meetup in some place in the Oculus Quest somewhere. Uh, we'd have to find the right kind of private room for that. That would be the, the key. Uh, but- well, and the other thing is, is there are some of the chat things that are cross-platform so that you can run them in 2D on a PC or you can run them in, inside a, a, a virtual platform. Oh. Uh, so that would be a, a nice way to have uh, meetings that are cross-platform. Nice. Got an idea. Nice. Yeah. Uh, you guys need to start doing Secrets of Star Trek in Star Trek Bridge Crew. <laughs> oh. <laughs> if I could get... and, and Secrets of, of Darth Vader with uh, the Vader Immortal. <laughs> yeah, Secrets of Star Wars in Vader Immortal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or on uh, Galaxy's Edge. Yeah, that would be yeah, <laughs> that would be good. I, if I could get Jimmy in a in a VR headset, I think I would. That would be that would be a lot of fun. <laughs> I'll contribute to one. <laughs> <laughs> I might be able to get listeners to, uh, to to chip in for Jimmy to get one. I'm not sure he'd put one on though. But we'll, that's actually a fun idea. I do want to play. Star Wars Bridge Command, Star Trek Bridge Commander. Uh, so, uh, yeah, then, I know Father and uh, Father has got it. Father Andrew has one. Yes, yes, yeah. he does. I mean, that particular game. Oh, he does. Yeah. Oh, maybe I can get him to play. If the, he's a busy guy, but we'll we'll see if we can we can get some time together. Uh, all right. So, but Carla has some questions. She says, uh, "Does anyone have good advice on casting from the Oculus Quest 2? She says, "For me, it's choppy and laggy." Uh, and then she has a, 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 another question, but let's talk about that one first. My thought is for casting, and what she means by casting is you could take what you're seeing in the headset and broadcast it to a, a phone, a tablet, uh, a Chromecast or other device so that or other Facebook. people, yeah, or, or Facebook even, yeah, so that other people can see it, what you're seeing. Um, now, as far as it being choppy and laggy, there's a couple of things that I would, that came off the top of my head. It might be your Wi-Fi network that it might be your network might be slow. Your Internet speed could be slow because even though it's going between your headset and the casting device, let's say Chromecast or Apple TV, it's still going. It's still dependent a bit on your overall Internet speed. Um, How far is are you on your quest from the casting device and the router? So how far away things are from each other? Um, All that said. I've found it to be a little laggy sometimes, so that's a possibility as well. So um, what do you all think? Do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, One of the things is, of course, rebooting a router before you start into something like that, just because they tend to get 
the cash gets messed up. And so doing that would help. I also have heard that uh, lighting can have some effect on some of the uh, lagginess. Because if you're if it's in a darker environment than it's expecting, you might want to turn on some lights and you know open up the the, the windows not so that you have direct sun, but that you have uh, a little bit more light. And some people have said that's helped them with with the overall choppiness of the, oh, what it looks like. So the light in the environment can make it choppy. Because, right, because it's got to, uh, it's got a, it's using the light to sense where your hands are, where things are going on, and if yep. it's not getting a good, good light input, then that's one problem. Oh, interesting. Uh, the other thing is, is I've started. I keep a browser open. Uh, I mean, not open. I just go into the browser periodically, and you can keep like fast.com or speedtest.com or org or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I just keep that tab open so that when I get started playing, I just tap on it to refresh it and find out what my speed is right then. So I, that gives me an expectation of, hey, I think I need to go re-reboot the router. Or maybe I am uh, I should be closer to one of the nodes in my, my Google uh, Nest environment. That's a good idea. That's also a good idea. Yeah. So uh, Carla's other question is... Um, I'm looking for suggestions on how to use this, the Oculus Quest, with seniors with dementia. So far, I've used Wander to show family some old places. Wander is like Google Street View and Google Earth combined. Uh, now, the first thing I would say is with when you're working with people with dementia and in like a virtual reality, I check with their doctor first just to make sure it's OK. I mean, they're already... Uh, knowing having some experience with people with with, with the relative with dementia, the, the virtual environment and, and and having issues with what's real and what isn't can may cause more confusion. So that that's my first thought is check with the doctor first, make sure it's a good idea. I'm assuming Carla, you did, and and that that it is. But do you have any other thoughts about other things that can use to help people, older folks? Well, I've seen this discussed, this very topic discussed on uh, one of the Supernatural uh, in Quest forums. And basically, a lot of people said it would be a nice idea, but why don't you look at doing things like YouTube on a big screen TV that they don't have to be involved in? They, you could do all the same things as far as going Street View and right. uh, all those types of things. Because, number one, they can get very confused and try to tear off the headset. Right. Uh, they might uh, try to stand up and walk, and they not may not be ready for these things. And there were a lot of people cautioning the person that was asking for same thing. They worked with a, a nursing home, and they, they wanted to do this. And people said it's a good idea, theoretically, but you've got to look at the practical side. They could hurt themselves. Yeah. They, uh, some people get headaches from VR. They might get dizzy from VR. They get motion sickness. So you've got to have the right person involved and maybe what you need is something that's outside of them that can keep them grounded like a TV. Something a little less immersive, perhaps. Right. Yeah, that's true. All right. So thank you, Carla, for the, the good questions, good feedback and uh, some good ideas. So we'll, we'll, and like we said, we'll definitely be revisiting the topic, uh, especially now that uh, several of us are uh, certified Oculus VR fans <laughs> there is a there is a uh, special group on facebook for over 40 with oculus oh, because cool. they're trying to say well there's a lot of us who are in their 40s 50s 60s 70s 80s Mm-hmm. And I see a lot of people on there in the upper categories that, you know, what's safe for them, what they enjoy, what they can do, what's practical. Uh, I, I was uh, online the other night with a, a, a almost 90 year old who had broken her leg and she was using it to travel the world. Wow. You know? <laughs> nice. So, yeah. Good. All right. So let's move on to our first discussion topic. Uh, th- this one came up because uh, as we are in spring 2021 20, uh, here in the Northern Hemisphere, uh, we are getting close to having a, a, the time when we can emerge from lockdown because we're getting vaccinated. A vaccine for COVID is, you know, several of them are out there. People are receiving it. And so people are starting to talk about, well, I want to go places. I want to, now that I can go, I want to go, you know, and in fact, I want to get on a plane and fly places because I haven't been able to fly anywhere the past year. And so the, some questions come up like, well, how do we make sure that the people who are flying and going to these countries are not carrying the, the disease with them, but are in fact vaccinated. And some countries have already announced that they're going to require proof of 
vaccination. And so what does that consist of? Is it going to be a piece of paper? Uh, some of the tech companies are talking about building apps that will ver certify that you're vaccinated and they'll use some sort of authentication, some central authenticator to, to make sure that no one's scamming. It's not fake, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, there are some current concerns that have been expressed. The World Health Organization worries that uh, because the vaccine is not being distributed equally in every country, that poor people will have less ability to travel than wealthier people. Uh, you know, if it if it requires uh, technology, will that be fair to people who don't have access to technology? That sort of thing. Uh, but I wanted to talk about the technology aspect of this. What do you think would be the implications of having a vaccine passport and and how that could work? Does is it something we leave to the free enterprise? Let companies, private enterprise, come up with different apps that compete with one another? Or is it something that should be more centrally regulated by either a country or, you know, even the UN or something? What do you guys think? I think unless it's going to be a top-down thing with an agreement between countries, then it's going to be a non-starter because if every single country is doing their own thing, there's going to be no way to verify country to country what is right. actually authentic. There needs to be like some sort of universal standard uh, that can be verified um, sort of like, like a passport, a, like a passport, right? Um, maybe like with a public-private key system. We we, we were talking about that before we started mm -hmm. about uh, public-private key encryption. So maybe something along those lines. Yeah, and yet you always have to say, well, not everybody's got technology like a cell phone or uh, that type of. Uh, their main, uh, unless they make it cross-platform, uh, then they might have the wrong type of phone. Uh, so it it should be something. It's almost like I see it as a cooperative effort for t uh, technology companies to come together to work on and put something out that would be, uh, you know, one on the Apple platform, one on the Android platform, or cross-platform, but developed by groups of companies. Right, sort of like they did with the uh, the 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 contact tracing. Uh, well, like they did with the contact tracing between Apple and Google, working together to come up with a contact tracing protocol that could be used by anyone. I think the difficulty with that, though, is that with contact tracing, it's a lot easier for it to just be you give your information from your phone and a lot of it, it's it's going to be less dependent on actually verifying your identity than right. something like this. Right, exactly. I mean, what's to prevent you from giving someone else your vaccine identity card, you know, in the, the electronic version of it? I wonder if this is a case where high tech is not the solution where just like with passports, like regular passports, it's still rel it's, I know there's technology that they build into it these days, but it's relatively still low tech. It's a it's something you hold in your hand that you have to carry that has to be made. Well, and it could be something that is, is low tech like that, that at the time you present it, it gets looked up to verify you are the person that, that is standing before this, this clerk. Right. You know, so it's not just the piece of paper that gets you through, but it's a scan it, check it against a database. Yeah, I think that's honestly probably going to be the easiest way. If this is something that they're, they want to do soon, then using the already established identification that we already have that's verified is probably going to be the easiest way to do that. I wonder if there's a way to tie it into the passport, because that's pretty much you have to have a passport well outside of the country. You don't have to inside, but... Well, this is they they already do that. For example, the uh, the state the I think the State Department, the Transportation Security Administration, you know, the TSA. I think they work together with something called the International Standards Organization (ISO). You know, we, you see the ISO numbers on things. The ISO has a has standards for things like driver's licenses and passports and other international identification. So, my guess is it would be connected to something along those lines where they would. Mm -hmm. They would use similar similar technology, similar databases, similar standards, and just extend them, perhaps. Well, like a driver's license, if I'm traveling and I get pulled over, I'm going to hand them my Texas driver's license. They're not going to take my word for it. They're gonna they're gonna look it up, right? And so so there's going to be some second factor authentication that goes along with it. And I know that a few places are actually testing out digital driver's licenses. Yes, yes. I saw that too. Yeah. But again, it has to be an option. It can't be the standard. Right. Not yet. No. I mean, someday down the road, so to speak. 
No pun intended. But <laughs> oh, but, why not? <laughs> but you uh, be okay with that. I will be proud of that pun that I unintentionally said. But uh, someday down the road, I could see where the technology is just going to be. Everyone will have some sort of device that they always have with them. Just assumed, uh, and that the, will the be number part on of your forehead. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> uh, there's another another possible thing is a uh, something called a common pass. That's a standard that's being pushed, uh, developed by the World Economic Forum, and something called the Commons Project, which is a, a, a technology nonprofit. It would be a, a mobile app, so an app for your phone with a QR code that, when scanned, will verify you for travel. But again, it would I think again it would need to be verifying against something, some right. database somewhere. Uh, or at least a code that can't be duplicated of some sort. So uh, we'll see how it goes. I mean, I would have to say it'd have to be a database of some sort in order to make sure that there you know, this uh, is the the right shape, height, whatever of person than standing in front of you instead of just a a child's uh, vaccine thing. That's the thing that worries me with a lot of this, like with the common pass, like reading through that article. There's a bunch of different standards, and this is what you always run into with these projects where. Everyone wants to come up with a standard, and if everyone has a standard, then there's no standard. Exactly. Multiple standards is no standard at all. Right, right. 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 They eventually have to weed out all but one, and everyone works with that one. That's just, mm -hmm. I don't see it working any other way. I don't see, you know, you have to, if you're going to travel to five different countries, you need five different vaccine, uh, you know, passports that you've had to have all gotten approved and set up and all that sort of stuff. I just can't imagine that being workable at all. So yeah, I, I agree. It's going to, it's either going to be, they'll, they'll come up with the solution or they won't do anything <laughs> to be honest. I'm leaning towards the latter, honestly. Yeah. They'll just, I, they'll throw up their hands and say, we, it's, it's a, pro a problem we cannot solve given the current political geopolitical situation and disagreements over how to do it. That's often how things go these days. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, interesting. Let's uh, take a moment first before we move on to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of technology, including Cindy M, Daniel C, Sally H, Jessica W, and Scott S. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of technology and all the shows at StarQuest. Uh, now's a great time to become a StarQuest patron. Thanks to a generous gift from a supporter when you start a new Patreon monthly pledge at sqpn.com slash give. The first three months of your new pledge will be matched by an equal amount from our donor to support all our shows, including this one, making your gift go even further. So your the first three months of your gift will be doubled. So we're more than halfway to our goal of $2,000 in new monthly pledges. In fact, we're more than uh, two-thirds of the way to our goal. And that's an important number because we have a number of projects that we're trying to take care of, a number of things we're trying to improve about the network, including some new shows that we're working on. But we need to uh, increase the amount of resources that we have available to us in order to do that. So uh, won't you help us close that gap? If you've been thinking of becoming a StarQuest patron, now's the time. Visit sqpn.com slash give today. So uh, next headline is Apple has discontinued the HomePod. Not not all the HomePods. The mini is still available. Thank you. I uh, got my little mini right next to me here on my desk, which I'm very happy to, uh, happy with. Uh, but the big one, the original HomePod, and uh, it's among other th some several products that they've discontinued recently, including the iMac Pro and some other things. Uh, ahead of what's expected to be an event, even as soon as next week, I mean, by the time this episode comes out, you may have already heard the announcement that there will be uh, an event from Apple uh, where a bunch of stuff is expected to be introduced. But the the, the uh, original HomePod being discontinued in favor of the Mini, what do you all think of that, that, that move? What do you think's uh, behind that? I think it makes sense based on as soon as they released the Mini, I didn't see any reason to even look at the bigger one because I guess the audio is... Is supposed to be a little bit better on the. the it's got more version. bass, yeah, definitely right, more bass. But yep. honestly, if I'm sticking in my kitchen to listen to podcasts or just play music while I'm cooking, I'm not going to spend an extra hundred dollars because the bass might be better. Yeah, I I heard an excellent uh, explanation, which is you have you basically have two different markets for speakers like this. You have the people who listen to news and podcasts and music while they're cooking, and then you have audiophiles who sit down. 
in their special chair with their special speakers tuned directly to that special spot. You know what I mean? Mm. Listening to $2,000 speakers. And the HomePod was kind of in the middle. And I think, I mean, I, I think I'm exactly the case for what, why they got rid of it. I, I looked at it and said, wow, that would be awesome. I'm not spending $300 on a, on a speaker from right. Apple. <laughs> uh, but at 99 bucks, that's a, a lot more doable. And I, and so I picked, I picked one up. And yeah, it's great. It does 90% of what the other one does at less than half the cost, at a third of the cost. Uh, that, was, that was my uh, attitude. Now, but it's interesting that Apple gets rid of a premium product to keep a uh, a good enough product that doesn't seem to be the Apple way. What do you What do y'all think? Well, the iMac Pro says it is the way. <laughs> well, mm, I wonder. I, the iMac Pro. The thing I'm thinking is going on there is we saw the M1 Macs and they blow everything away. A, a MacBook Air, M1 MacBook Air, and Jack, you can talk about this. I think you you uh, have some experience with an M1, but mm-hmm. uh, the M1 MacBook Air outperforms even a pretty high-end Intel MacBook Pro. I'm thinking if there are M1 or M something, Silicon Mac, iMacs come and say in the next week or so, that there's no there's no place for an iMac Pro anymore, is my thought. Jack, what do, what do you think of that? I think that's exactly what they're thinking because I was actually reading an article the other day um, about the benchmark tests between the M1 MacBook Air, which is like $1,000 to $1,500, and the Mac, uh, the iMac Pro, and the MacBook Air outperformed the iMac in almost every single category. So I yeah. think that wow, either they're going to come out, they're going to refresh the iMacs with the M1s, they're going to refresh the high end, the 16 inch uh, MacBook Pros, and there's really no reason to have that iMac Pro. Like I, I would like to see even the numbers on how many they sold because I feel like if you're at that level of buying a premium Mac, you're probably going to be going with the Mac Pro rather than the iMac Pro to begin with. Right. I feel like the iMac Pro was always designed to be an interim computer. It was, I think it came out before before the old Mac Pro, the trash can Mac, and the Mm -hmm. new Mac Pro, there was a gap between when they could get, and they needed to fill that gap for the Pro, and I think they came out with the iMac Pro to kind of fill that gap. But now... With the M1, you know, the Silicon Macs, we, we say M1, but they, they won't always be M1. But with the Silicon Macs, th- I think the, the need for that goes away and you just get an iMac and that's what we'll right. have. Um, so it is interesting. I'm, I'm very much looking forward, not, not just because I'm a, I'm a Mac fan, but I'm looking forward to seeing what Apple has to, coming. Because I think for, one, for the first time in a while, Desktop laptop computers are, are interesting again compared to mobile, like phones and and tablets. Yeah, I I got the M1, the MacBook Air, about two months ago, and it's one of the best computers I've ever bought. Yeah, I like it's amazing I, how fast it is. Every time I see a spinning beach ball when I'm editing a podcast, I think, oh, if only I had an M1. <laughs> <laughs> so not someday, someday if, with the help of the uh, StarQuest patrons, I will will upgrade and we'll get even more podcasts edited in the same amount of time. Uh, <laughs> that's that's my my goal. Uh, in fact, Adobe just came out with an upgrade to their software suite, their creative suite that takes advantage. The first one that takes advantage of the M1s and the the, the first reports are. It just screams through stuff. I just can't imagine what it's like editing in Premiere, like editing video and that sort of thing. So um, kind of interesting. But uh, HomePod Mini is out there. It's the thing I've heard about the HomePod Mini is that it's sold megatons, that it was it's been it's been in short supply all this past year, ever since it was introduced, uh, because people have loved it and uh, and it continues to be sell like hotcakes. So. you know, go with what works. I think Apple is learning a lesson. Hey, I, if they learn the lesson that uh, if I we sell a 90% product for 50% or 30% of the price and we sell a lot, uh, I'd be okay with that lesson that they learned. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So the, uh, the next story is an interesting one. It's going to catch a lot of people by surprise and maybe a lot of college students. Uh, if I, if I, my, um, sense of how this works goes Netflix is starting to push back against password sharing uh, or, or account sharing is really what it is. Uh, There's been some reports of people hearing from Netflix 
things like, oh, if you don't li- live with the owner of this Netflix account, you need to have your own account to keep watching. Um, and the idea being that there are a lot of people out there who are using their old roommate's account. Uh, they're using their parents' account. They're using their best friend's account uh, rather than getting their own Netflix account. Uh, and they can do that because with the $18 premium subscription, the higher end streaming uh, mm-hmm. uh, subscription, you can watch on up to four devices simultaneously. So that lets people, you know, more, more than a couple people use it at a time. Some people push them back. They think, Hey, this is uh, this, you know, Netflix should just let people use however they want. You know, they're paying for it. Um, other people are saying, well, Netflix isn't worth it anymore. I'm going to cancel. They don't, they're not as, they don't have as many, uh, they don't have a lock on the streaming. And, and frankly, there's more uh, interesting streaming options out there than ever before. What do y'all think of Netflix testing the waters on pushing back on net, on a password sharing? I think that I don't know anyone who actually pays for a Netflix account. It's usually, oh, I use my parents or, oh, I use my friends. And we're in the same boat where uh, my mother-in-law has Netflix and then we use it. And then my brother and sister-in-law, they use it too. But like, and, and if they, if they uh, remove that feature, I'm not going to start paying for it. I'm just going to not watch Netflix. Right. I, I think they would be better served to say, we'll convert these three and four simultaneous use accounts into a family accounts and maybe uh, adjust some pricing in there too. So that if I say, well, I can have four people in my family, that's my four simultaneous uses, but let them have their own account and sh- share it. Yeah. Sort of like what Apple does with Apple TV plus right. or Amazon prime does. They could do that. You yes. can have multiple individuals, uh, all accessing it. Yeah. It's, in fact, a bunch of the different services do, and you don't all have to live in the same household in the same location in order to do that. I think they'd get a lot better press if they did it that way than the, the pushback on, on this. And this mm-hmm. may be just floating a trial balloon and then they'll right. come back and say, well, hey, guess instead of doing this, guess what we're going to do for you? Right. Like a lot of these companies <laughs> do. I mean, even if they charged us a little bit more for a, yeah. for a family account, they'd, be, they'd, they'd at least be better off than they are now and probably better off than if they really played hardball on it and People, like you said, Jack, will say, well, I'm not going to watch Netflix. That that would perhaps happen. So interesting. I'd be really interested to see what their numbers are at, especially since they've lost the office, which I know for a lot of people that was Netflix was essentially their office subscription. Yeah. So I want to know, I'd like to see how they're doing numbers wise and what their long term strategy is for actually keeping people, because this does not seem like a good option for that. Well, it is interesting because so they've lost the office. Uh, do they still have friends? Because I know that was also big on Netflix. Um, I think but they lost that too. I think yeah, that I went think to, so. to they both went to Peacock. I think which is the NBC uh, streaming service. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna bet that they're gonna lose all the Star Trek stuff because that's all going to be on Paramount Plus. You know, right. all this stuff that is owned by these other streaming services are eventually gonna when those just like they lost Marvel and all that stuff. You know, that's all going to be it's it's going to come down to basically they'll have old movies that aren't really hot and they'll have their original content, just like all the rest. And some of their original content's been really good. And if they could bump that up, I think it's worth keeping. That's right. Right. And that's the thing is, is they've and they've had some hits lately. Uh, What's that one? Bridgerton. I haven't watched it. I, that is definitely not in my wheelhouse, but I've heard a lot of people talking about it. And it's a Netflix original. Uh, some of the other Netflix originals I'm trying to think of. There was just one I, I just watched that was a really uh, big. I forget what it was, but they've also got um, oh, the Gray Man movie, which is based on a series of books by Mark Greeny, who was uh, it's a Tom Clancy sort of thing starring Ryan Gosling and a bunch of Hollywood guys. And it's the biggest it's being directed by the Russo brothers. And it's the biggest budget movie ever done by netflix i mean they're they're really pouring the 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 resources into their original programming and so i'd be curious to see how yeah i can see if they really if if they do this they've got to also put the pedal to the metal on the programming as well they've got to give people a reason to stay and i think that's that's true This also raises a larger question just about streaming services in general as more and more TV shows go to the individual services of the networks. 
yep. you end up with the same kind of issue you have with cable where you're paying for every single channel. And for someone like me, like if I'm going to watch, like, for example, Star Trek, I'll sign up for CBS All Access or Paramount Plus, whatever they're calling it now, while the show is on, and then I'll just cancel it. So they're right. going to they're not going to get a lot of consistent subscribers doing this kind of thing where every single show is on a different service. I I agree. I mean, that was, wasn't that the whole promise, right? Is get rid of the cable bundles. Why am I paying for 150 channels that I don't watch? I just want the 10 channels that I do. And they basically said, okay, we'll charge you five bucks a month for each one. <laughs> and you end up paying, you know, because you're still going to buy your cable. I mean, your internet subscriptions, that's half of whatever your cable bill was. And you're still paying a ton of money to get to see, to get less <laughs> in, fact, right. some, in some cases, uh, you know, fewer channels. So that is, that is the trick. I mean, do we go back to bundles? <laughs> I mean, I was doing a thing re- with Apple TV for a while where they had a, it was $10 a month. You get CBS all access and Showtime. As a mm-hmm. as a bundle with no ads, that was the big thing. That's I did it because I I I hate ads on a streaming service. It's hard to go back. Well, it wasn't that um was Park Picard was on there, right? It was yeah. Right. It was that's when what Picard. I said. Yeah, right. So and, I wanted to see it. Yeah, ads on streaming are worse than ads on regular broadcast TV because they are almost always less variety. You see the same ad six times in one episode, mm-hmm. and the 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 technology is is not is is broken and so that if you pause you know in the middle of the show sometimes it will jump back to before the last commercial break started like no <laughs> i didn't want like this is worse than t- than broadcast television so i'm maybe that's why they 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 sell the ad free version because they and do and break it on purpose to get us to pay more i that i hadn't thought of that before but Maybe so. My get away from my point. My point was maybe bundles are the future again. Maybe we get back to the model like the cable cable channels. You have a a romance bundle and a, a sports bundle and a, a detective bundle and a British bundle. <laughs> right. It's already what Hulu does with uh, Disney Plus. You can get Disney Plus and Hulu and I think ESPN all in one bundle. Yeah. 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 I, I'll be curious. I mean, those are all under the same Disney umbrella. I'll be curious to see if there would be, you say, if you could get Paramount Plus and Peacock and, you know, something else. If if you'll start to see cross-corporate bundling, mm-hmm. that's that'll be the interesting question. Uh, and I, mm, I have a hard time believing that that'll happen. Once Disney buys everyone, it won't be an issue. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> we'll just, you know, have Disney uh, take a direct deposit out of our check, uh, out of our bank accounts every month. We'll yep. all work for the mouse anyway. <laughs> <laughs> all right all right so i think that's uh enough of that one let's move on to talk about this other story now this is a this is a bit of a technical one but i think it's an important one it, because of not because necessarily because of the exact situation because most of us won't be in it but because it it re- reveals something about the state of technology today and what we i think what we need to know about technology and here's the, the scenario in arizona a law got passed in 2019 that changed sentencing guidelines or changed the conditions on, under which certain inmates convicted of nonviolent offenses could earn additional credits to get early parole. Okay. So the details of that are not all that important to the, to the main premise here, but the law changed on that, that it w- would allow certain inmates to get out of prison early. But some whistleblowers have come forward and said that the software that the state department of corrections uses to administer sentences and in prisoners in the prisons and when they can get out it doesn't it, it they didn't update it to reflect the addition the new law or they couldn't because of bugs or something along those lines that a lot of guys are still in prison men and women are still in prison when they should have earned their way out on parole by now uh and that is a, a serious question of justice of of equity and, and other questions and they're basically the, the, the contractor to the state who makes the software has just been unable to create the programming to get it done. And some of this, some of this is if you, if you dig into the story, we might find out that it's not, that's part of it is, is the problem is the law was passed, but no one told the, the contractor, the programmers that this law was coming 
and it takes time to program changes to make something work without bugs to to put changes into the system uh so there's a bit of the technology is a problem but there's also a bit of politicians in general i'm not going to get in any particular political party because it's this is a a nonpartisan problem politicians not understanding how technology works and treating technology like it's magic if if we pass a law, technology can do whatever, wave your hand at it. What do you guys think of this story? As someone who has experience working in government contracting and technology, I wish I could say this surprised me, but it really doesn't. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds about what I've heard from others who have worked in the same. Yeah, yeah. and it, it's just an issue of the way the contracting system works. And mine is primarily defense contracting, but I'm sure it's a similar kind of thing where everything moves so slowly and it's technology is used, but it's almost in a, it's kind of slapped on top of this, this method that people have been using for 60 plus years of how, how things are processed and it right. just doesn't really filter down correctly. Yeah. Pat, you've worked in uh, government uh, IT. Yeah. We've, we've had the same situation where, you know, all of a sudden the, our Congress or whatever, I mean, uh, the legislature, yeah. Our legislature will pass something and we'll say, that's effective when? There's no way. There's mm -hmm. no way. And so, you know, you do your best. But at one point, we actually uh, went in and wrote a subroutine that would go into all the programs just to change our agency's name because they had changed it so many times <laughs> that uh, that we had a problem that everything was printed wrong because they keep changing the name. And so, yeah, it, it just really becomes a real real serious problem now i don't know whether in this case where the it's affecting the prisoners whether they could say well okay manually we can adjust this problem in other words we know you've been in here x you should be eligible then we'll make a fix not in the programming but in the real life and that's the only way i can see they can get out of this at this point that's that what they were saying i'm oh, sorry I'm just going to say the program is probably so messed up. There's no way that they can just go in and fix it. it they'd have to probably rewrite it. Mm -hmm. Right. That's what they were saying in the article that they were doing it manually. But I think the issue is there's just so many people that people are going to fall through the cracks and they're not going to be able to physically keep up with everything. Yeah. Right. Right. The technology is, and that's the thing I want to get across. Technology is not a panacea. It's not magic. It doesn't, it, it, especially but for people who work in technology they know that <laughs> like, mm -hmm. like you all do it's you can't just wave your hand and say oh well you know the programmers will fix it uh, i remember there was a uh i was a new york state legislator who talking about the problem of texting and driving basically said well the 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 cell phone manufacturers need to issue a fix for that they need to you know program something to do like you can't just say they need to program a thing like that, that's not how it works. Like, like it has to be possible. It has to be feasible. It has to be, you know, uh, within the bounds of uh, the possibility. The, well, yeah. the corporate possibility has to be in the bounds of the current state of the technology, all sorts of things like that. You can't just say, well, the, the those those programmer guys will do it. I, I mean, if anybody watched any of the Facebook hearings last year, or you know the the uh, the Google Apple Facebook hearings. I mean, oh my gosh, the amount of ignorance on the part of the people making the laws was was flabbergasting, really. Uh, and it's it's concerning, and we we need to make sure that the people making the laws have this sort of thing in mind. Like we need to be able to do these things. Just because you pass a law doesn't mean it's possible. That's concerning, and it, it, I feel bad for you know nonviolent offenders who are doing the doing the thing they're supposed to do. They're they're following the rules and they're get, earning their time out to, for parole and not getting it. That's it's not fair. It's not it's not mm -hmm. just. All right, our last headline. Let's quickly jump into that. This one is a bit of a, a tough one for me because I, I'm trying to uh, get my head around it, but it's interesting. I, I really think it's interesting because it it shows where things may be going in a few years. So. Microsoft announced at a conference that they did uh, a few weeks ago in was this uh, beginning of March that they're going to launch the first public preview. So that means it's like a beta of it, of a new um, open source, not open source, decentralized. That's what I'm trying to say. Decentralized ID technology. And this kind of goes back to what we were talking about with the vaccine passports. 
And it's a, a how do they say, a secure and decentralized identify, identifier where you could be verified through something in your phone, through an app, that it's really you. And this, like I said, this goes back to the vaccine thing. So th- this article from Wired talks about it, it says, instead of just storing, a, for example, a, 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 a a government agency, instead of just storing a scan of your birth certificate, a decentralized ID platform might store a validated token that confirms the information in it. Then when you get carted at a bar or need proof of citizenship, you could share those pre-verified credentials instead of the actual document or data. Why is that important? Because if you have the actual birth certificate out there, someone could steal it, could take it, could could copy it, could you know, uh, in the identity theft. So the idea is that this would be a way to prevent identity theft and uh, prevent people from pretending to be someone they're not. So how does it work? That's the thing. That's the thing I have a hard time getting my head around because they, they throw out the terms like blockchain and, you know, decentralized and that sort of thing. So do either of you have any idea of how this could possibly work? I think I think essentially what it does is similar to like an RSA key, um, like when you're verifying a file, um, you have a you have a private key which you have which you generate, and then you can give out your public key to anyone else. So like if you have like this is this how um HTTPS works, you have your private key on your server, and then you give the public key out to anyone who needs to validate against your server to make sure it's actually authentic, and that way any anyone who has the public key can verify against your private key and it will say, okay, it's good, but they don't actually have the information associated with that. They just have the like green check mark. And so because it's decentralized, there would be servers all over the world with the information on it to check against. And so in order to, to fake it, you'd have to crack every server that has it. Is that right? Right. I think that's how it works. And it wasn't really clear the way Microsoft was saying it. My understanding is, if this was to be used for like your birth certificate or whatever, you would have at some point you would have the birth certificate scanned and verified by an authority who can give out that token and they'll give you the token. And then that will go into the cloud with all the servers. And then whenever someone has to verify that, yes, this is that person's birth certificate, they would use the public key to verify that. Okay. Okay. That's, that's how it, that's how I'm understanding it. I could be wrong because there's not there's not really a lot of details, but I think that that is what they're saying. Is it very parallel to the way the authenticator apps work in a sense that once you've verified who you are to the authenticator application, then any app that wants to know if this is really you says, well, give me the number off that app. And and so it verifies that. Is it similar to that? Only taking it to a new level? They don't they don't explicitly talk about that specific function. I think that you could use it for something like that. This seems to be higher level for like your personal documents, anything that's going to be legal. This would be a service that would have to be implemented. And again, this is going to be going back to the vaccine conversation we had. This is going to have to be something that's going to be across the board. Otherwise, it's not going to matter. Okay, right. So it says um, the system is based on the Bitcoin blockchain and uses an open protocol called SideTree to add records of transactions, in this case, identity verifications to the blockchain. That's a lot of, (laughs) that's a, that's a lot of uh, jargon, but essentially it's using the same technology that they use to verify that you own some Bitcoin, that it's your Bitcoin and it will, you'll have your wallet that will be your, connected with you. And uh, the blockchain will contain a verification of that. Uh, you know, you just compare it against it, and all of the records of all of the identities are in the blockchain, are in the cloud, and anyone can check against it. So, like, if you had a, a this Bitcoin or whatever that you owned, in a sense, then you, they could add your medical records into that or or whatever, right. kind of right. tie right. it to yeah. that. Yes, and okay. it would be encrypted and presumably, or I don't know, they actually wouldn't even need to be encrypted because uh, it's just verifying. The the data itself, I don't know that it would need to be in the cloud, just the verification of it. It's, I, I kind of wish there was more because I, I, I don't completely understand it myself. And that's maybe what maybe we, uh, <laughs> maybe we need more information before we can really talk about it. 
I have a link um, from ledger.com. They're one of the Bitcoin um, banks, basically, and it explains how public and private keys work. It, it gets pretty technical, um, but if you want to throw that in the show notes, I think it'd be a good resource for people to look at if they want to understand how blockchain works, because that's really yeah. what this comes down to. I'll do that. I'll do that because, yeah, I think the big thing is, is that blockchain in general is becoming more and more a part of our lives. And for whether it's finances or this sort of identity or I keep hearing more and more ways that blockchain can be used. In fact, in an early episode of Secrets of Tech, we talked about blockchain. I think it was Secrets of Tech. Might have been Let's Talk. We talked about blockchain and how the church could use blockchain. And there was some interesting conversations. I'll have to dig up that the link to that episode. So the the question, you know, so I think it behooves us to understand this better and more so that we can, the more people understand it, the more we can keep an eye on it. And I think that's important. We need and to make understand. an informed decision about whether mm-hmm. we want to choose to, to get, join it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. So we'll be keeping an eye on that and let you know as more comes out, if Microsoft has more information on that sort of thing. All right. So I think that's a good time to move on to our picks of the week. And uh, Jack, I'm going to let you go first. What's your pick this week? All right. My pick of the week is the uh, Apple Watch and uh, Fitness Plus. I got an Apple Watch about uh, six weeks ago and I signed up for the Fitness Plus subscription through the, uh, app, the Apple One Premier service that kind of includes everything with it. And I was kind of I was kind of skeptical of how much I'd actually use it, but I've actually ended up using it quite frequently, which is good because, you know, working out more often is good rather than less. Um, and I really like how how it motivates you to work with the ring system and the workouts. It has a, a good variety of workouts and they range from like 10 minutes all the way up to 45 minutes. It has high intensity interval training. Um, it has strength workouts, it has cycling, it has uh, running workouts. Um, and has a really good variety, and it includes a lot of information that really keeps you motivated. And so I've really enjoyed that, and I think it's been a positive uh, addition to my life. Awesome, cool. Yeah, I've I have Fitness Plus, but I've been using the Supernatural on the Oculus uh, for for about a month, and so I haven't tried the fit, the Fitness Plus. But uh, I I've, I kind of sometimes felt like it's it's mostly geared toward people who have got equipment like a treadmill or a bike you know or a rowing machine, or rowing or... machine. Do, do you find that the, that there's enough to do without having equipment there are some workouts that are more geared towards that but the ones i've been doing which have mainly been the running the strength training and the high intensity interval training those have all been um Without any equipment, you can just do body strength workouts. Awesome, awesome. And I, 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 what I've seen is, is that they have, they always have three people on the on the uh, screen at the time. One doing the average, one doing a high intensity, the high version of it, and one doing a lower version, like mm-hmm. so beginner, intermediate, expert versions of it. So you can follow whichever one that's at your level. Yeah, they have modifications for pretty much every workout you can do. Cool. Cool. I saw behind the scenes of how of the studio where they film this stuff. They have like mm-hmm. robotic cameras and all kinds of. It's really cool. Oh, <laughs> nice. awesome. So, um, uh, yeah, awesome. That sounds good. Pat, what's your pick this week? Well, I never could convince myself that I could afford to pay for the Apple uh, earpods, or uh, so I ended up getting uh, some from Anchor that are wireless ear thingies that dangle just like a just like the Apple ones do, but they're they're about huge amount less. <laughs> and I've liked them so far. And they're lightweight, they're easy to put in. They've got a case that'll charge it and and I think this particular case also you can put on top of one of your wireless chargers and it'll charge, but I haven't done that. I just plugged it in. And I think it's supposed to have about uh six or seven hours for the buds and then you can your case has another like twenty eight hours that you've got that you can it, it'll keep that charge in the case even if it's not plugged in so uh so far it's been pretty good i haven't lost them yet which is what i didn't want to do with the the apple ones right yeah i found with the airpods that the 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 promise of flip open the case and it connects to the phone right next to it has not been quite as seamless as they <laughs> say uh but also the quality of not the 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 hearing things is fine, but people can't hear me on them when I'm on a phone call and I'm trying to use them. Uh, people like I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's me or if it's the, my particular AirPods or what. But uh, 
Um, I haven't these- tried using it with a phone to actually do a conversation. I'm using it more for music and podcasts and stuff while I'm typing something up. I hate holding my phone up to my ear. While I'm on the phone, I just—I always my, use speaker on it. Yeah, yeah I was, and, and that's the thing is, I, I use speaker, but I don't like—I don't like the, the echo on it. Um, so, so sometimes I keep a pair of uh, plug-in uh, earpods on my desk because you know I'm a I'm a caveman like that. Uh, the uh, doing it the old way. All right, so thank you. That was a good pick. My pick is an app from a company called Flexibits, and it's Father Corey was giving me a hard time about my all of my little apps in my menu bar uh, on my Mac. He's like, "Have you finally? Have we finally heard about all your apps?" And uh, I said, "Not even close." And so now I've taken that as a challenge. So I'm, a lot of my picks uh, in, coming up in the future are going to be some of these apps. And so here's one of those apps. It's called Card Hop, and it's a contact app. And you say, "Well." Doesn't your Mac and your uh, iPhone come with a contacts app from Apple? Yeah, sure, sort of. <laughs> it's not very good. It's it's a pain in the neck to use. Card Hop is awesome because you you click on the menu bar icon, it pops up in a window, and there's a, a searchable box, and you just start typing. And you could type a name, you could type a company name, and or if it's and if it's somebody that's in your uh, uh, in your contacts already, you, it'll pop up a little thing, and it's, you can. Click on a message. You can click on an email. You can click on phone. You can click on uh, FaceTime if they if they have an, uh, a a Mac or iPhone. Um, if it's someone that's not in your contacts, you can start adding them to your contacts right then and there. And so you, it it uses natural language processing. So you type the name, and you can type like work colon phone, and then the phone number, and then uh, home colon phone number, all that sort of stuff. So it's really really easy to use that way uh there's a space where you could add uh, notes on the people that you're you're in your contacts all kinds of great stuff like that it's it's another one of these apps from flexibits they also make fantastical which is a replacement for the calendar and they have an ios version and a mac version and it's just it it's one of these apps from them that really it takes the the basic function that apple gives you and really takes it to the next level. And so it's really great. And it's not that expensive. Uh, let's see. I think it comes with SetApp, the SetApp subscription, I'm pretty sure. Uh, but it's also uh, fairly inexpensive. It's uh, it's it's 20 bucks for the Mac version and much less for the iOS version if you just want to get the iOS version. But if you're someone who uses your your contact, your contacts for work, especially, this might be something to check out. All right, I think that should do it for us. So, what did if you get any feedback? If you have any questions for us, like Carla did at the beginning, uh, let us know. You can go to the show uh, notes at sqpn.com/technology, or the SQPN Facebook page, facebook.com/starquestmedia, or send an email to technology at sqpn.com. And like I said, you'll find links from our discussion and those picks of the week on our show notes at sqpn.com. Make sure you follow The Secrets of Tech in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, your favorite podcast app, or at the SQPN YouTube channel, where you should make sure to hit the bell to get notifications. Until next time, Jack Barazzini, thank you for joining me and sharing The Secrets of Technology. Thanks, Dom. Pat Scott, thank you as well. Good to be here. Thank you. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Technology on StarQuest. <laughs>